Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. Well, I'm excited about what God has to say tonight and praying that He His Word goes deep into our spirit, man. And I want to thank uh, Minister Powell again for her wonderful teaching. It's been awesome. And uh, I'm going to teach tonight, and we're going to pray a little bit. We may at the end if you, uh, have time for some questions. But I want to talk about the uh, the authority of God, but I'm going to talk about it in a different light. And the word that God gave me today was, am I my brother's keeper? That is that is the question. Am I my brother's keeper? And so when we look at Genesis 4, 9 through 12, we see, we'll look at it and give people time to come on. Thank you, Jesus. Give you praise, God. Thank you for this word, Lord. We just thank you for having your way. Thank you for teaching us tonight. We see in Genesis 4, verse 9, And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. And we see that that uh, I was reading this today and I saw the importance of this because God, he put Adam over the garden and he told him to till it and keep the land. So am I my brother's keeper? Am I a keeper over things? Am I supposed to take my authority in areas? And if I don't, then what happens? Because God is upset here. He's saying, "What, what have you done? And he says to Adam, what have you done? What have y'all done? And so not keeping what God has given us is not taking our authority. And we can look in Romans 13. Uh, Elder Barbara brought this powerful word Sunday. It was awesome. Romans 13, 1 through 2. And we see here where it says, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever resists the power resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. And when you look at the notes, it says condemnation. So if I don't keep what God's given me by taking my authority, then I go into condemnation. Um, the word that she had was verse 2 where it says, whosoever resists the power, which means authority. Resist the authority. Resist the ordinance of God. So when I don't take, when I resist taking my authority, maybe God put me over a praise team. Maybe he put me over a church. Maybe he said, I want you to do street ministry. That is what I'm supposed to be keeping. That's what I keep. And so to resist that is I'm resisting the ordinance of God, and it won't go well with me. Because the Bible says to honor your father and mother, that it will go well with you. So we know God is our father, our spiritual father, so we have to obey what he tells us. And 
sometimes we think not taking authority is not a big deal because we don't want to confront. But how many know if you're going to have anything of God, you're going to have to confront. You're going to have to take authority. You'll have to rise up at times and say this, this, and this over the circumstance to people, to their face. You know, you have to, you'll have to say things sometimes. And what I hear a lot is, I don't like to confront. Well, if you don't confront, then the enemy comes in and he takes over like he did in, with Adam and Eve. He comes, out, he comes in, takes over like he did with Cain and Abel. Abel. So somebody said, I've got to take my authority. I have to be a keeper of what God has given me. Amen. We thank you for that, God. And we're going to continue in a minute, but I just want to praise him for a minute. God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for coming in and having your way this evening. I thank you that your word flows out of me, God, and it it tears the flesh from the spirit. As Pastor Cindy said in prayer, she saw that, that it just tears the flesh away from the spirit and it discerns, God. You said it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it separates the flesh from the spirit. God, I thank you for your word tonight, and I pray that it goes into our spirit man and that we come out different, that we come out of this conference uh, taking our authority and not just laying down and letting the enemy have whatever he wants out of our life. God, we thank you that we have the power and authority that you gave it to us, Lord. When we received salvation, power and authority came into me, God. And you said, whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever I loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God, I just thank you that I can live in victory 100% of the time, but I'm going to have to take my authority to live in victory. God, I thank you for showing us that I can't depend on someone else to take my authority. I can't say, well, isn't so-and-so the keeper over the praise? Why aren't they praying over it? Why aren't they... Uh, taking authority. I have to take my authority. I can't put that on another person. It's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to take authority over the things that God has given me. And Jesus said, Father, I haven't lost one that you've given me because Jesus was a keeper of the brethren. Amen. And that's my prayer that when I stand before God, even the one or two that's left after 20 years, that they that they come back because I don't want to have lost any that God has given me charge over. I want to stand before him and have been a keeper of what God's given me. Somebody said, I am a keeper of my brother. I am a keeper of what God's given me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I do till the ground. I do see about it. I do check on my souls. I do. Amen. And what I saw yesterday when Julie and I were praying and getting a breakthrough for for the week and uh I just saw that that a lot of times when you're a you're a ministry or your person runs a business or that that we are the authority that and so we deal with people ourselves. But when you start growing and you start delegating authority, then things may not be told the same way you would tell them or things might not get done the way you would do it. And we have to be willing to see that uh, that it's not always perfect, that everything's not going... Because I would, I would just... It would keep me, keep me upset, like if things weren't 
because I always dealt with people myself. I didn't delegate. But when you start doubling and tripling in your church, you got to start delegating. So my examples, they did everything. My mother did everything. She talked to the leader of everything in the church. But now we're delegating. So when things get back to me that they weren't done the way that I said for it to be done, it would keep me in a negative place, and I'd have to press past that negative battle a lot. But God showed me yesterday, he said, Jesus is the only perfect sacrifice. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Let's look at Hebrews verse 10. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews verse 10. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 10. I'm sorry. Thank you, Jesus. Chapter 10, verse 10. And it says, by the which we will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Then you go to verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Did you know that you are perfected by one offering? He said, the bulls and the goats, they're not doing it for me. The bulls and the goats. And Jesus said, well, can I just come and do the will of my father? Because obedience is better than sacrifice. So by that offering, we've all been sanctified. Let's read it again. Hebrews 10, verse 10. By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We don't have to keep on and keep on beating ourselves up because we don't do it perfect. We're not right. Everything in our church don't seem to be in order all the time because that's what I would do. And I'd say, God, how can I stop this from, from, from being out of order? How can I keep it in perfect order? And he said, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. So how we stop that is we have to just turn these things over to God. When you get so big in your business, when you get so big in your home and you got four and five and six kids and you can't tell if everyone unbrushed their teeth, <laughs> you've got to turn some things over to God. I've got to turn some things over to God and trust him that even if it's not done exactly like I thought it should be done, that he's got that because I've turned it over to him. By Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. So I don't have to keep making offerings and offerings and offerings for my mistakes. When I give offering, when I give what I want to give to God, it's out of love. It's not out of condemnation. It's not out of guilt. It's not because I hadn't done enough. It's because I love him, and that's why I give him my life. And and I've, I've learned through ministry, the only way we're going to keep doing it is to do it out of love. Because if I do it out of obligation, law, or guilt, I'm not going to keep doing it. Amen? So I want to show us an example. This is so exciting to me of someone that we all love, we all read his, his uh, songs, we all sing his songs, and I'm talking about David. And so we're going to look at First Samuel chapter 16, and I'm just going to kind of read through some of these chapters, just kind of paraphrase some of them, and hopefully we get the word and get the point. But what I see about David is he was not a perfect man. He was not a perfect person. But David submitted to authority. David not only submitted to his God, he submitted to Saul. He had opportunity to kill Saul over and over. And his buddy said, his men said, we can go in there and we can kill him right now. And David said, I cannot touch God's anointed. So 
So David had the right heart, and the Bible said he had a heart after God. Hallelujah. David had a heart after God. What was the heart after God? It was the submission. Yes, it was his love, but he submitted because of his love. So we see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12 and 13, it just talks about how how, uh, David wasn't perfect. It says in verse 12, he said, And he sent and brought him in. Samuel was looking for him. And it says he was ruddy. And he had a beautiful countenance. He was good to look on. But he was ruddy. He wasn't perfect. But Samuel said, this is the one. And we see through the word, and uh, we we go on to chapter 17, verse 17 through 20. And it says, uh, this is where it's showing how, how David loved God through his submission. It says, And Jesse said to David his son, Take now for your brethren some corn and ten loaves and run to the camp to your brethren and carry these cheeses and see about your brethren. He was making them be their keeper. Go see about your brethren. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley fighting the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning because he was submissive and obeying his father. He left the sheep with the keeper. Did David leave his responsibilities alone? Did he just leave and say, well, my spiritual father told me to go give this to my brother, so I'm going to leave all the sheep unattended to. Did David just walk out and just leave them with no authority? David rose up early, verse 20, in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper. Am I my keeper's brother? Am I the one that's supposed to make sure that things are taken care of if I'm going to leave my responsibility unattended. And he took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trenches. David was in the trenches, and he shouted for the battle. Verse 22, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper. Here again, David didn't just run off and, and just not listen to authority. He didn't just run off and say, I know I'm called of God. I just got anointed. I just got anointed, and I'm the man, I'm the king, so I don't have to I don't have to see about that. Somebody beneath me, somebody lower than me, somebody not good as me needs to be keeping my sheep. Somebody's not good at me needs to take care of my carriage. I shouldn't have to be concerned with that. David didn't say that. He left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran to the army and came and saluted his brethren. This is why one reason God loved David because he came and he honored his brothers. And they were talking about this champion, Goliath. They called Goliath the champion. And David was intrigued by this, and he wanted to know about it. And we see that in verse 25, he says, Have you seen this man that comes up to defy Israel? And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free. So this is what the person that killed Goliath was going to get. And David spoke to the men and said, what we're going to get? What we're going to get if we come against this Philistine? He said, who is this that's going to defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered and said, so this is what they're going to get that kills this man. Well, immediately, the same brothers that David came to honor, the same three brothers start talking him down, start being negative, Start telling him he can't do it. And Eliab, his eldest brother, verse 28, said when he spoke to the men in anger against David, said, why came you down here? 
And with whom have you left these few sheep in the wilderness? He's, he's talking about he ain't nothing. He just got a few sheep. But David had a covering. David left his sheep with the keeper. David could say, if he wanted to, the sheep are being taken care of because he left them with somebody. Amen. His brother said, I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart. You come down here that you might see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to take our authority? Is there not a cause to save these young people? Is there not a cause to save the praise? Is there not a cause for 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 Judah to rise up in the praise again, for the praise to be flowing, to be going, to be doing what God wants us to do? Is there not a cause to rise up against the enemy and take my authority? And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're a youth, and he's a man of war. You, you're just a kid. You're just this ruddy little kid. You ain't nothing. And David said to Saul, your servant kept, verse 34, he's still keeping stuff. Your servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and it took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote it and delivered it out of its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and smote it and slew it. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear and the uncircumcised Philistines, shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. So we see that David not only kept sheep, he not only kept the carriage. Right here he said, I kept the father's sheep, and then I was able to kill the lion. Then I was able to kill the bear. Because you're not going to kill Goliath till you kill something before you kill Goliath. You're not going to kill Goliath. You're not going to spit in that blind eye until you've prayed for a headache. You you won't have the boldness. I won't have the boldness to do it until I do the things that are smaller. But the Word of God says that he David was delivered out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And because he was delivered out of that, then he was delivered out of the hand of the Philistine. So when he went from paws to hands, he went to something smaller, to something greater, and was able to defeat it because he took his authority in the small things. Because he honored God, he honored his father, and he honored his brothers. He was able to rise up and kill this giant that everybody else was running from. Because he had boldness. The Bible says to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Boldness will come upon you to take your authority when you conquer it in prayer. When you conquer it in the field. When you conquer it in those places that nobody's seeing you. That's when you can rise up and take it when everybody's seeing you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us. Verse 37, the Lord has delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear. He'll deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. And he tried to put his armor on him, and David said, I have not proved this armor. I've proved the hand of the Lord. I've proved how he's helped me with the lion and the bear, but I hadn't proved this, this armor that you're trying to put on me. This armor hadn't been proved. Because Saul was looking to himself. He was looking to his own mind. And plus, he wanted the glory. He wanted his armor to be on David so it looked like he did something. But David couldn't wear that armor. He took five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag and the sling. And he went forth to kill Goliath. Hallelujah. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he made fun of him. He said, you're nothing but a youth. You're the ruddy old fair 
countenance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said, Come to me, and I'll give you flesh in the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with the shield. Now that's a lot of weapon. You come to me with a sword, spear, and shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I come to you in the name of Jesus. That was the difference. He came knowing he didn't have the authority, knowing that he couldn't put on a natural armor, knowing that he had to put on God because God's the one that helped him out of the other struggles, and God going to help him out of this struggle. And he gave God all the glory. I didn't see them other ones giving God no glory. I didn't see Saul giving God glory. I didn't see Goliath giving God glory. But David gave God the glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. And David said, this day you'll be delivered in my hand, and I'll smite you. Now, was he confronting or what? This is the same boy that is carrying bread and cheese. Hallelujah. This is the same boy that his own father didn't think he was worthy to be the king. He said, I'm going to smite you and take your head from you, and I'll give your carcasses to the host of the Philistines this day. And so when we read on, the Bible says that that David said, The Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord. Verse 47, for the battle is the Lord. Now, did David still have to get up and fight? Could he just lay down and say, God's got this. God got this. No, he had to get up and face that giant. He had to get up and face him with five rocks and a slingshot. Hallelujah. And it came to pass when the Philistines rose and came drew near to meet David, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Where did he get this boldness, this young, ruddy, that everybody thought was nothing? Where did he get this boldness? He stayed submitted to his God, and he constantly gave God the honor. But he didn't, he didn't mind getting up and taking authority either. He didn't mind... They were trying to tell him, you can't do this. you got to wear my armor. You're not good enough. And he rose up and did it anyway. Praise God. Anybody ever told you how you can't do it? You're not good enough. You're you're just a kid. You're just a baby Christian. So David, the Bible says, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. Therefore, David ran and stood upon him and took the enemy's own weapon. Verse 51, he took Goliath's sword and drew it out and slew him and cut his head off. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise for it, God. We thank you. So David took the head of that giant and he went forth and he praised his God and he gave God all the glory for it. Hallelujah. But then we see where David is faced with Saul. We see where David killed that giant. But when Saul was after him, he was running from him. He was hiding in caves. Have you ever conquered something? You took your authority over one thing, two things, three things, and then this big old next thing came. And it's like, oh, I just don't want to fight anymore. I just want to lay down. I don't want to do it anymore. Well, this was where David was at. And he was just, he was just running. The Bible says David was in a stronghold. He was hiding out from Saul. He, but he was so humble that he wouldn't do anything about Saul persecuting him. But it came a time where God said, 
it's time to rise up, David. You can't just, see, this is what we teach here, disarm the enemy. And when you disarm the enemy, you die, and you you take stuff for a long time. But there comes a day where you rise up, and you're not taking it anymore. Hallelujah. And it comes by the Holy Spirit telling you you've been released from that battle, and you can rise up. And Pastor Casey, if you're on here, I want to give you a word, First Samuel chapter 18, verse 16. It says, but all Israel and Judah loved David. All Israel and Judah loved Pastor Casey because he went out and came in before them. When They loved David because he was part of them. He was always with them, doing things with them. Amen. So, God, we just thank you for that word today. But we see where David, at this point in his life, he's running from Saul. And so David and Jonathan come up, and they, they get to be... As one soul, the Bible says, Jonathan loved David. He saw the man on him. He saw the authority. And this is Saul's son. And Jonathan took his own coat off and gave it to David. And But I see here that instead of David rising all the way up and confronting Saul, he asked Jonathan, he said, why does he want to kill me? Have you ever hadn't had the courage to go ahead and and take authority all the way, but you're making steps and you're taking it a little way, that's a victory. That is a victory. David went to Jonathan. He said, why does Saul want to kill me? Why does he chase me? He hunts down my soul. Do you have people hunting down your soul that you're tormented day and night because your husband don't love you, that your kids don't talk to you? Is it something always on you, sickness, something that's keeping you from rising above it and taking authority. What David was trying, he was saying, Jonathan, what is it? And Jonathan said he wants to kill you. And Jonathan helped him and he protected him because the Lord didn't. Jonathan was his keeper. He said, this day my daddy wants to kill you. But the Lord was the one that wouldn't let Saul have David. The Bible said the Lord wouldn't let him have him. Hallelujah. Saul came after him with the javelin, with the spear. In First Samuel, um, uh, it's, it, I can't remember exactly where it is, but it says, David was hiding in the field in the stronghold for fear of Saul. Some of us live our life like that. We hide in the stronghold for fear of people. Just what people think about us. You know, that's a Goliath in a lot of people's life. But I'm here to tell you today, if you'll take authority in the small stuff, if you won't resist taking your authority in the littler things, then you'll rise up and take it in the bigger things. If you're faithful over a few things, God will make you ruler over much. If we take authority over a few things, if we go past that fear and lay hands on the sick till they recover, if we if we witness and we've been too scared to do it, if we'll do those things, then, then we'll be rising up praying for the blind eye. We'll be praying for the cancers to fall off. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be on that level, God, where there's nothing that's facing me that I am afraid to take my authority. I might feel the fear, but I'm going to do it afraid. I pray that I do it afraid. Hallelujah. First Samuel chapter 24. Let's look at this. We're going to pray here in a minute. I'm going to um, uh, get them to unmute everybody, and we're going to pray. But First Samuel chapter 24, let's look at it. It talks about starting in verse 3. I know this is a lot of word tonight, but that's why we're going to record it. We're recording it. Uh, First Samuel chapter 24, verse 3. 
we see where Saul uh, went to a cave and he covered his feet, which simply means he wanted to rest and relieve himself and rest. And the men of David said to him, Behold, the, said to David, Behold, the day of which the Lord said, You can de- you can be delivered from this enemy. You can rise up now and take your authority. The Bible says, Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe secretly. But let's look at David. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. Now this is somebody who had been trying to kill him. This is somebody who had been running him down chapter after chapter, you know, year after year. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. He called the one trying to kill him his master. The Lord's anointed to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and allowed them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. And David rose after the cave and went after him. See, David's getting getting a little bolder. He's getting a little bolder now. But he still can't kill him. But he starts confronting him. And he says in verse 10, he says, Behold, this day your eyes have seen how that the Lord hath delivered you today into my hand, and some bid me to kill you, Saul. But my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord. So he calls him his Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. You may have anger in your heart right now over your pastor, over your leader, but we still have to submit. Amen. I love Julie's favorite word about Hagar, and I'll let her share it. I'm not going to share it. But anyway, said, did you not see that, that I could have killed you? I could have killed you, Saul. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of your robe and killed you not. Know you and see that there is neither evil in me? I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my soul to take it. Verse 11, hunt my soul. You torment me day and night. You keep me in the stronghold. You keep me hiding in caves. The Lord judge between me and you, Saul, and the Lord avenge me of you. And he says, um, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be upon you. My hand shall not be upon you because I am not wicked. I don't have a wicked heart. I have a heart after God. I don't even know why you want to kill me anyway. But the Bible says why Saul wanted to kill him. Over and over it says, Saul feared David because the Lord was with him. Saul feared David because the Lord was with him. Hallelujah. He, He says, are you going to pursue after a dead dog, after a flea? The Lord judge me and you and plead my cause and deliver me out of your hand. And it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words to Saul. Saul was just all in it for himself because he says, Is this your voice, my son David? Well, promise me you're going to get the kingdom. You're going to get it, but promise me you'll take care of my seed. So he was still after something for himself. Amen. We're going to look at one more. Chapter 27, verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. You know, David submitted to his father. He submitted to Saul. He submitted to God. And and, and we think, well, maybe he just, you know, whatever. But when you read First Samuel chapter 27, verse 1, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. See, so he let him go. He could have killed him. He says earlier, when he confronted him another time, he says, why you want to kill me, Saul? Why are you after me? Before, he couldn't confront him. He confronted Jonathan. But he got bolder and bolder. Hallelujah. 
David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me. So he's still having to worry about this this man trying to kill him. But God took care of Saul. Saul was no more David's enemy because he was gone. Saul left him. He, he died and Jonathan died too. But David didn't kill him. Hallelujah. David honored him all the way through and he got the kingdom. See, people leave. They leave too soon. We'll be submitting under somebody. And I know some of these battles, I know they're hard. I believe me. I know they're hard. And we submit. And we submit. And we submit. And then all of a sudden, I'm not submitting no more. But we do that in our flesh. And we leave or we we just don't submit no more. We start rebelling. But if we would stay, if we would stay, we would get their kingdom. My mother came to this church, the one we're in right now, years and years ago. She got saved in an apartment at home, trying to find a church. She didn't know where to go. So she heard of Grace Baptist. That's what it was. And she came in, and she said that she started growing in God and hearing something about the Holy Ghost. Well, she asked her pastor, and he said, that is not for today. That's not for today. So she she kept on, you know, seeking God about the Holy Ghost, and finally, eventually, she had to go to another place so she could learn about the Holy Ghost. Do you know that this is the church that we're in? She came back and possessed that land. What you die to, you will get, but you're going to have to die to it. You're going to have to stay and submit, and you're going to have to surrender, and I'm saying this to me too. We have to stay in subjection, because who are we submitting to anyway? Who was David submitting to? He's submitting to God. He's submitting to God, and God had already taken the kingdom from Saul. He had already taken it, but David was not, and David had been anointed for the position, but he was not in it yet, so he couldn't be superior. He couldn't be high-minded. He had to prefer his brother over himself. The Word says to prefer one another in love. Hallelujah. We don't see a lot of preferring these days, right? We don't see a lot of that. We see a lot of pushing self to where I'm the one that looks good, David didn't do that. He let Saul be whatever everybody thought he's going to be. And he looked like a mouse running and hiding. You know, he looked scared and running. But he come back and got the kingdom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm here to encourage you today. If you'll do it God's way, then you can have what you're submitting to. Because eventually God's going to promote you. And if that leader don't do it, God's going to give you somebody that will. So to those that have submitted, I just want to honor you today. I just want to give you a salute. I want to clap my hands for you because you have paid a price. The Bible says in Luke 16, when I make it happen for another man, God's going to make it happen for me. But if I am not faithful, Luke 16, the word is, if I'm not faithful in that which is another man's, how will God give me my own? Matthew says to treat other people the way you want to be treated. We see a lot of people, they know they have a calling, so they immediately start trying to put people under their kingdom. But they haven't served anybody. Elisha had to serve Elijah for 14 years, and nobody knew his name. Nobody knew his name. But when it came time for that man to be released, there was 50 prophets standing afar off, 
And, and Elisha was the only one with the boldness to come close because he had submitted his heart and he had submitted his life. And because of submission, boldness came out of that submission that he could pick up that mantle. In fact, he asked for it. In fact, Elijah tried to get rid of him a couple of times and he wouldn't go. And then, then eventually your authority should look at you and say, what do you want? Elijah looked at Elijah. He said, what do you want? What can I do for you? After served, being served by this man, he looked at him. He said, what can I do for you? And Elisha said, I want the double anointing. I want the anointing that's on your life. And Elijah said, that's a hard saying. But if you can see me, you can have it. Where's he going to see him? He's going to watch him all the way he goes to heaven. He don't start trying to take his place. He don't start putting Elijah down and building himself up. He keeps serving him and serving him. And he sees him when he goes up in the chariot. And then he gets the mantle. And Elisha starts weeping, my father, my father, my father, my father. Can we have some spiritual fathers these days? Can we have some sons and daughters that will submit to spiritual fathers and mothers? So when it comes time to release, then something can be released into our life. And we have authority because we submitted to authority. Like the centurion that said, I am under authority, so I understand authority. And because I'm under authority, I have authority. He didn't just say, I have authority. He said, I'm under authority, so I have authority. I know how authority works. I tell a man to do something, he does it. But somebody telling me to do something. Hallelujah. So we come against this thing that tells people they don't have to submit that they have a power and they have authority. Yes, we got power and authority when we got saved. But if we don't submit to another authority, then we are not going to prosper. Because the word says, honor your father and mother, that will go well with you. So we all have to answer to somebody. Hallelujah. And there comes a time you might outgrow them. There comes a time where you might outgrow them. And then God may say, you stay with them till they go to heaven. And then he may say, okay, this is time for you to do this. So I know there's times like that, but we cannot release ourselves from authority. God has to release us. God, we just give you praise. I'm just going to ask Sister Monica to un- unmute us. God, we thank you tonight. We thank you for showing us your word, Lord. We just give you praise. We thank you for this word. We thank you for authority, God. Thank you for showing us, Lord, to have, how to have a heart after you, God. Thank you for showing us, God, how to stay covered. Thank you for showing us how to stay covered, God. We give you praise, Lord, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise. I magnify your name. You are worthy, God. King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Glorify your name. God, we ask you take this rebellion out of our heart. This thing in us that don't want to submit because we think we're going to have to go under a man. Submission is not going under a man. It's going under God. God is the one that set up authority. God, I'm asking you, release, release us, God, from the stubbornness in our heart 
They will submit a little, but we ain't going to give it all, God, because nobody else is going to be controlling my life. But, God, you said to submit. You set it up. And he that resists authority resists the ordinance of God. And it's going to bring condemnation. It's going to bring damnation. And, God, I thank you for this word going forth through the airlines, God. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise, Lord, that if we have authority, that if we can really get the devil out, if we can really get people, mainly get that devil out, because that devil knows when you ain't submitted under authority. He don't mind challenging you. He knows if you are and he knows if you're not. The seven sons of Sceva, he said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? Because you're not under authority. Because the Bible says they tried to take Paul's words and they didn't have their own relationship because they were using his words. They it said the God of Paul. So they didn't have their own. But God, to have real authority, we got to have our own relationship with you, God. We got to have our own relationship with you, Jesus. We give you praise. We thank you for the power and the authority to rise up and the people on this line, God, that they haven't had the boldness. They haven't had the boldness to kill the the uh, Goliath because they didn't kill the little things. They didn't go after the lion and the bear wasn't little. So we know David had, he had done some other things. He had conquered some things. So, God, we just give you praise. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Give you praise and my my brother's keeper. You said to go forth and make disciples, Lord. Yeah, you told us to make disciples, God. So, yes, I have to be responsible over my brothers. I have to be responsible. You are our keeper, God, but I have to be responsible. I have to take my responsibility, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise. Magnify your name, God. God, there's people on the line, they've been hurt by authority, God, because they've been done unfairly. They've been done unjustly, God. And no, it wasn't right, but the Bible don't say submit if it's right. It don't say submit if it's right. It doesn't say submit as long as they do what I want them to do. It doesn't say that. That's still me putting them under me because they got to do it the way I think they'll do it. They were to do it or I'm not submitting. That's not submission. That's rebellion. Amen. I'm going to ask Sister Julie to share her revelation about Hagar because it's so powerful. Um, okay, Pastor, thank you. Um, <clears throat> the Bible tells us in Genesis that Sarah wanted a child so badly that she took it upon herself to set this thing in motion and went to her husband and her mate, Hagar. They produced a child. Well, Sarah became bitter and angry and abused Hagar for doing what Sarah told her to do, which is what sometimes authority seems to do to some of us. So Hagar took her child and fled into the desert, and she was dying. And she laid there and she cried out to God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to her. And for me to paraphrase, he said, Hagar, what are you doing? 
and she said, I'm running and I'm hiding from my, my mistress, Sarah. Why? Because she abuses me. She beats me. I, I, she makes me suffer. She torments me. She makes my life unbearable. The angel says, yeah, I hear you. Now get your child and go home and submit to your mistress. And when you do that, Hagar, when you do that, when you uh, allow that abuse, when you just submit, then I'm going to make your son a great nation. So there's great reward in submission. So Sarah, Hagar went back to Sarah, and she did exactly what God instructed her to do. And her son did become the leader of the Middle East, the Eastern nations. Amen. Isn't that good? Yeah. That is so good. Thank you, Jesus. He told Amen. us in Isaiah 45, he said that he's going to go before us and make the crooked places straight. So anything that don't seem right, like I was talking at the beginning, it seems like it's out of order. I was so glad because he named three or four places. For he said, now, you know, when you go to Dr. Sorella, he don't know if that person in that hallway is ugly. He don't know. He, it comes a time where that leader or that business owner, you gotta, you got to let some things go. we got to let some things go. So he, didn't, he, didn't, he doesn't know everything that he can't. He has four million army strong. He can't. So he has to delegate. And so, uh, but God showed it to me like that. He says, because when you get a a church or a body or people that want to go into the supernatural, um, I don't see many of them. I'm not talking about they don't have any order in their church. I'm talking about every little detail might not be the way that you would do it or the way that you would want it. But I, I see that we have to release that and trust God. So as praise leaders on here, maybe maybe they won't do it your way. Maybe as pastors on here, maybe they won't do it your way. But you gotta, you've got as long as they have a submissive heart and they're wanting to do right, and and then there's times you have to come back along and confront. But but some of those little things, we just you know we just have to trust God. So I just want to thank you for listening tonight. And does anyone have any questions? about submission to authority. Thank you, Pastor. Yes. It's my, I don't have a question. I have a, a, a statement um, okay. from, from your teaching, and I just, uh, it makes me just want to submit yet the more and just to walk this out even more. And I want to thank you for sharing this because I see areas where I've kept myself to do what I wanted to do instead of submitting to what God wanted me to do. <clears throat> and I just I thank you for this word tonight because I just want to give my heart yes, in, every, in every area of my life. Yes. I, I want to apologize to Pastor Casey and apologize to you for any time, Pastor Michelle, for any time I rebelled against my authority. And I'm really asking God to take this out of my heart. And I'll be submissive the right way. Yes, Jesus, take it out of our hearts, God. 
show us, God, any roots and judgments in us that would keep us from obeying authority. That Usually it's because we were misused, you know. Authority was not right maybe in our homes or in our marriages or our boss or somewhere something wasn't right and we closed ourselves off to submission out of fear. And I know that there's people that won't submit to a church because uh, there was we had some visitors Sunday and one of them said uh, he's never found a church he wanted to come subject to, but he thinks he might want to be a member here. So submission is a, a big a big thing, but the Bible says forsake not to assemble ourselves together, even so as the day approaches, meaning the day of the Lord. So uh, I wonder why God wants us all to be together. I believe it is to teach us submission, but just to teach us that iron sharpens iron. You know, if I don't have to face people, then if I can just stay in my own little zone and, and, and not have to deal, then that's fantasy. That's fantasy. But when God puts us into a family of God, then we have to learn to deal with people. We have to learn to submit before our brother over ourselves. Romans 5.17 says that we reign. So, yes, we we reign. Let me look it up right here, Romans 5.17. We have authority. So I'm not saying anybody here don't because God gave it to us. But if you want it to work for you, then you're going to have to submit to authority. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So R-E-I-G-N, we're supposed to reign in life. We're supposed to rule in life. But we're not supposed to be rebellious because rebellious dwell in a dry land. Shell brought that word one time and it stuck with me. Rebellious dwell in a dry land. What else is in the dry places? It's the devil. The devil is in dry places. So I don't want to be where he is. Amen. I want to be. I want to be like the prodigal. I want to go back because there ain't nothing out there. It ain't nothing out of the covering that I need or want. It's nothing out there but hurt, and uh, I don't want any of that. So I have to stay covered. I got to stay where God put me. Amen. Someone else have something to say? You know, Pastor, this is Elder Babs. Hello. Um, hello. I, this was such a wonderful teaching. But I think as a whole, the body of Christ um, confuses submission with being controlled. And it's, it is light years difference in the two. Um, when I submit then I willingly put myself under whoever. You know, I willingly give myself or my will over for whatever it is that my authority asks of me. I I willingly do that. So we take control completely out of the equation then when I am willingly doing this. And when you were just teaching about David, that was so good. I, I, I'm, so, I'm glad I was muted. <laughs> had to shout oh, a I bit. miss y'all shouts, though. I miss them. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so good. But whenever we see that Saul, yes, God anointed Saul to be king, but through disobedience, he lost that anointing. And David then received that anointing, and but God still left Saul in that place. 
And so David completely submitted to him, even though he was unjust and he was he was not a good example of authority. David still submitted to him, and then he ended up with the whole kingdom. And that's yes. <laughs> awesome. That is so awesome that we don't submit for nothing. You know, I mean, it's a principle of God, and God always rewards when we when we just just go ahead and submit ourselves to Him. Then He always rewards us and blesses us and and gives to our faithfulness and you know so and. And also that submission is, for me, it is a way that God has provided for me to be protected and covered in this world. Yes. Amen. That's wonderful. I didn't know when I was submitting to Pastor D and Mama that I would be a pastor. I didn't have a clue. But submission does bring promotion. It really does. Promotion comes from the Lord, so he's the one that's going to make the place for us to have a promotion and so but anybody that's going to stay in that place they're going to submit they're going to be a submissive person and they're going to be an honorable person because dr murdoch says what you refuse to honor you're going to always lose always lose it uh, i want to share psalm 121 i'm loving all this word i don't know about y'all but i've been so hungry for the word that's why i like to go there sunday night i just want some more word Psalm 121, it says, uh, verse 4 and 5, Behold, the Lord keeps Israel. He shall never slumber or sleep. He's a keeper. So why don't I got to be a keeper over something? Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon your right hand. Hallelujah. Let's go to Titus 2, 5. Some more y'all, I'm just going to peek a minute. Some more y'all might have said something when we read this verse right here because it's talking about, it's talking about being a keeper at home. That's what it's talking about. It's telling us to be a keeper at home. So I love that about my daughter. She's definitely a keeper at home. When you till and keep something, then you, you know what's going on. And that's how, that's how a shepherd should be. That's how a leader should be. They know what's going on with their whatever they've been commissioned to be over they know what's going on hallelujah thank you jesus anybody else want to share tonight we have about 10 minutes pastor i um i was just wondering um could you read because i'm in a car and i don't have a bible with me but could you read uh philippians 2 uh i believe it's 2 5 through 8 where it uh speaks on, uh, I believe, the submission of Jesus when he came here in the world. Okay. Philippians 2, 5 through 8? Yes, I believe that's Okay. Sure. Elder Barbara, would you, would you read that for us? Yes, ma'am. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That is awesome. That's a good word. (laughs) That's a great, great description of what submission submission is. Yes, that is powerful. He humbled himself and became a no reputation, even though he was equal. 
He he didn't think it was a robbery to be equal with God. And that's what we we know that we're we sit in the heavenly places with God. I love what God showed us last week or two in prayer that we sit in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. The enemy it says he's in the high places, but we sit in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. So we know our position in Christ. But I'm just going that's just this is how it works. We're not going to prosper unless we submit to another man's ministry. But when we do, we will come out of that and have our own. And it may not be pastoring. Yours may be children, you know, but but it's going to prosper. It's going to flourish. I've watched Elder Barbara that was just on the line reading, and she, all of her family, all of her family come to church now. And it's all through her submission. It's all through she submits to her authority. She She doesn't. I answer back and talk back and argue, and her husband came in, and her sons are both here in ministry, and their wives, and her grandchildren now, and her father and her mother, and so I'm just saying, if people that submit, if you see their life prosper, then then look at what they do, amen? (laughs) That's If if I see somebody that's prospering, I need to look at what they're doing. Hallelujah. I love that with Pastor Casey. Just just kind of watch what, what do they do. And so she's a great example of that. Also, Elder Dan and Elder Robert, you know, been here 20 years. You know, they've been here forever, and they submit to their authority. And so it's going well with them. And I just thank God for this word tonight. I thank you for listening to me. And we're going to keep teaching on authority, and it's going to be some real positive Words, too, because I know submission may not be the favorite topic, but I, I'm the kind of minister I want to I want to help people to, to, to for it to work for them. Because if we just hear another word, but I go home and my kid's still strung out, that's not, I, I want something to help me, you know. So that's the way I teach, and I just know that this works. And um, God loves submission. He loved David. He said he's, he's a man after my heart. And I want to be a man after God's heart, don't you? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise tonight. We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossing.com.